This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. Well, I tell you what, it's been a great day for phone calls and uh, conversation and all that stuff. We continue it along. Give us a call, 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Bert in Camino, Camino Island. Hey, Bert. Hi, John. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, I have to apologize. My phone's a little screwed up. No problem. So uh, I really enjoy the show. But just give me a minute to ask my questions, and I'll take my answer off the air. No, you can stay on the air. You can, we can converse. It's, okay. It's, remember, uh, it's, a, it's a two-way show. It's not a one-way. I mean, you know, okay. you, you can ask, I can answer, and you can talk back. Okay. Um, I'd like to ask you to talk about the Seahawk rookie class. Yeah. Uh, where where uh, each one of them has made good plays and uh, how they've developed through the year, what to look forward to from them, from them for next year. Yeah. Well, Trey Brown looks and, like uh, he has, he's what, got you know, Trey, Trey Brown well. looks like he has starting ability at the cornerback position. So it's like uh, that, that. I think that's a good pick. It's unfortunate that he's hurt. Uh, certainly, you can look at uh, uh, Dwayne Estridge and say that uh, he should have the ability to be a good third receiver. He still needs to work on his game and, you know, find ways to, you know, be open a little bit more and, you know, get catch the ball better and do those different things. So I think he's okay. And Forsyth at sixth round, it's like, uh, we'll see. I think he shows some potential. I think he shows that he has some decent things there. But I think overall, <clears throat> I think, you know, for the three picks that they got, they did pretty well. It's unfortunate it was only three picks, but that's just the way it was. Do you like it? I mean, what, what do you like about it or don't like? Well, I saw some great plays from Estridge. And, uh, yeah. What positions are the other players? Uh, well, I mean, Trey Brown's a cornerback and, uh, you know, Forsythe's a tackle. Right, right. I never noticed the tackles much. But uh, could you uh, tell me what you thought of the Cody Barton uh, play this year? I mean, you know, now that he's playing, I think he's doing a good job. I mean, the, the difference is, is that Ken Norton Jr. has adopted, you know, more of a, you know, because remember last year they were pretty much all three linebackers. So Cody Barton got a chance to play a lot. Well, this year they've been two linebackers. And so in those two linebackers have not been Bobby Wagner and certainly Jordan Brooks. And Jordan Brooks has been a great success. But now you can see that Cody Barton has been able to fill in for uh, Bobby Wagner. Did a good job last week. And I think he's a good football player. Certainly he's great on special teams. That we know. But I think that uh, you know he's good. It's just that he hasn't had the opportunity this year to do much playing. Okay, well, with the, uh, with the additions into the team with the draft picks this coming year, who do you see going away? Going away? Yeah, who uh, are they going to cut? Uh, I don't Well, I don't know if anybody they need to cut uh, because, again, it's like I hope they don't cut Bobby Wagner. I think he's too valuable. Certainly, uh, you know, you, you look at the uh, – is a, certainly you like what they see at Carlos Dunlap. Uh, so, I mean – you know, cut guys, I just don't see much. So that, because uh, again, they've got enough free agents that you got to worry about the free agents more so than the guys that are on the roster and have salaries. Thank you, John. All right, thank Good you. Call. 
866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Jeff in Federal Way. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Mr. Clayton. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to you. So I have a question I'd I'd just like to say to all the 12s. Please chill out and quit wanting to fire everybody and get rid of everybody. Thank you. I was... I was doing a checklist and I was looking at the teams in the playoffs and stuff like that. And I have, this is my personal Mm -hmm. four checks ownership, right? Jody Allen is awesome. Mm -hmm. Next thing you go to is general manager, John Schneider. Awesome. Uh Next thing, Pete Carroll. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And you need a franchise quarterback, Russell Wilson. Awesome. Mm-hmm. We're good people. We just need to sprinkle in a couple of things here and there. And I'm sorry we didn't make the playoffs, but it, it is what it is. We just had an off year, and I'm okay with it. I don't want people to think that, oh, he's got to go. He's got to get fired, this and that and everything. You know, well, well, now again, I, I, I see this in so many different cities. Why is this town one of the worst for it? Can you explain that? You think it's uh, because they're spoiled? It, it this city is spoiled, and I look back at uh, you know comparison. I'm not comparing yeah. uh, Pete Carroll to Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, I think I think Pete, I think I think Pete's it's a better awesome. I think Pete's a better coach. Pete's a better coach, more experienced. Yeah. What I'm saying is Pittsburgh. They don't go through coaches like no. every other team. They they stick with it, and it's like people we just. It was not our year this year. Mm-hmm. You know, injuries, uh, this, that, everything else. Uh, the new offensive coordinator, don't get rid of him, man. He's starting to kick it in. And, you know, I honestly think we're going to be fine. Maybe some some tweaks or changes. Yeah. Everybody's talking about Ken Norton Jr. I don't know about that. Um, you know, just, it is what it is. I did want to ask you though. Yeah, Vic Fangio from Denver. Is he going to uh, survive his no, job? No, I don't think so. Now he's a defensive guy, right? Right. He's a great Would defensive. Would he come over here? Or I mean, I, I'm I'm not speculating. Yeah. I'm just yeah. he might. I mean, because again, he. I mean, say what you want about uh, Vic Fangio. I mean, you uh-huh. know, he's three non-playoff years. That's going to cost him his job. Right. Last place in the AFC West. That's going to cost right. him his job. But boy, I tell you what, you look at his stats on defense, they're fantastic. Yep. I mean, you know, he's yep. ranked in the top five to 10 in the last couple of years. And last year, he didn't have the talent to de- be able to do it. This year, right. he has a talent, and he's been among the top defenses in football. So, yeah. yeah, to my way of thinking, you know, he should be a candidate. Because he's that good, and you yeah. know, what will be interesting is that uh, you know, like for example, let's say, now, do you like the idea that uh, Jim Harbaugh could end up with the Raiders? <laughs> I like the idea that Jim Harbaugh's come back to the NFL. Yeah. I don't care where he goes; yeah. I think it would be awesome. Yeah, because I mean, the one thing is, if Jim Harbaugh goes to the Raiders. Is my way of thinking that you know he's going to go and pay a fortune to to get uh, Vic Fangio because remember Fangio was his defensive coordinator in San Francisco. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, oh. see, and see, and that's where I got to know him, uh, Vic, uh-huh. because I was a Super Bowl reporter for the uh, I was the pool reporter in the Super Bowl covering the 49ers, and so uh-huh. I got to spend a lot of time with Fangio. Love the guy. 
And, uh-huh. like, you know, like, for example, you know, I write for 104.3, the fan in Denver. And, uh, oh. and, and, and one of the things is, it's like, I'm rooting for Fangio to keep his job, but I just right. can't see it. And, but, you know, certainly he'd be a great candidate here. And if not, if uh, Harbaugh ends up going to the Los Angeles, Char- uh, Las Vegas Chargers, then, you know, I, I would have to think that uh, Harbaugh would do his best to get him. Wow, that's I, I can't imagine uh, Jim Harbaugh in Las Vegas. That would I know. be funny. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, but you know, he's he's a competitive guy. I don't know if he'll come back, but uh, and then the other thing too is, um, you know, it, it's it's been a it's been a good season for the Seahawks. It mm-hmm. hasn't been what the expectations were supposed to be. Yeah, but you know, at the end of the day, you don't win every every year. And sometimes you just, you know, you, mm-hmm. you take it with a grain of salt, and it's like, people, just slow down. We're not, we're not Cleveland or those other cities that every two years we we fire our coach and we move on because you never get anywhere doing right. that. And it's just like, let it go, um, and we'll see. I, I hope everybody stays. Um, I don't think Russell Wilson's going anywhere. No, no. Um, the only I I would like to ask you a question, Rashad Penny. Yeah, you just give him like a one-year contract with yeah. a lot of incentives. Well, I think I'll, you give him a one-year contract. You know, I don't know if it's three million or so, something of that nature. If it's going to be too much pricier than that, you say no, we move on. But I'd yeah. have to think that uh, he's done well enough that you can bring him back on a one-year deal. Uh-huh. And by the yeah. way, you know, going to the point about making changes. Think about this. The perennial playoff teams, because, you know, say what you want, you have a bunch of perennial playoff teams. How much change in the coaching staff do you see? Now, maybe, obviously, assistants, yes, because what will happen is assistants will either leave, get fired, move on to different teams, all those different things. But it's like, I mean, you look, it's like Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. Okay. I know. He's amazing. Yeah. John Harbaugh. I mean, even though this year has been bad because of Lamar Jackson injury, I mean, he's up there every year. I mean, certainly Matt LaFleur has established himself. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Sean McVay. uh, And again, most of the teams are, and again, you had a change in Dallas because they got rid of Jason Garrett. Now you have Mike McCarthy. But most of the teams right now that are successful uh, and have been successful are the ones that keep their coaches. Yeah, they don't they don't freak out over no. one year. And uh, look at look at I, Kyle, I, look at Kyle Shanahan. People wanted to fire him last year. He oh, won I know from six, yeah, I know he won six games. Is he on the verge of making the playoffs? And the answer is yes. <laughs> I know it's just it's just crazy. And uh, I've been a football fan forever, yeah. and I just. I think people are just like, oh, we're not winning this year. Yeah. We're going to change everything. Uh, you keep changing every year. You'll never go anywhere. No, you keep changing every year. And you're Jacksonville. You're Houston. You're right. uh, yeah, you're you're going to be Detroit. I mean, it's like you keep changing every year, and you're going to stay at the bottom, not the top. Right, right. And then I have one last one yeah, for you. Um, is there any any word on uh, Carson and his injury with his neck? Uh, I'm just wondering if. Maybe he's done for life could, as far as football. Could be, could be. I mean, again, it's like uh, yeah. we'll have to see. You know, like I know we have one of the callers just to ask about, you know, who can be cut. And uh-huh. you know, when you think about it, if he's not healthy, he's one of the few guys on the team that could get cut. Yeah. You know, 
being uh, knowing Seahawks yeah. ownership, I could see Jody Allen like saying, "Look, you know, legally we can cut you and not pay you a dime, but I think they would make some compensation maybe for him because he's been such a great yeah. player." Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just I, I don't know if it's legal in the NFL rules and stuff no. like that. But anyway, I'm excited for uh, you know. I was watching some stuff real quick. Uh, Buddy Ryan, Jimmy Johnson stuff on ESPN because mm-hmm. they got the game tonight. And uh, they had the bounty bowl back then. Oh, boy. Yeah. And so uh, nothing happened to those guys. But back in New Orleans, it was a Greg Williams had the bounty mm-hmm. bowl on Matt Hasselback and taking him out or something like that. Well, the, the, the difference was uh, in, uh, uh, in the case of uh, the Saints is that uh, the uh, Greg Williams you know, preached taking guys' knees out, getting guys hurt, giving them bad injuries and stuff like that. That's right. why they got the suspensions. Oh, okay. Because, again, it's like it wasn't just bounty bowl. It was bounty bowl damage, and he wanted damage yeah. done to the other players on the other teams. Hey, thank you for the phone call. All Great right. call. Thank you, John. Okay, ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Greg Bell joining us at the bottom of the hour. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Bob in Bellevue. Hey, Bob. Hey, uh, John Clayton, thanks for taking my call. And i got to say, I've been listening to you for probably 20 years now, and I yeah. hope that your wife is doing much better from She's doing much better. what I heard last Saturday. Yeah, I mean... Got home from the hospital, and so, uh, but yeah, she's doing much, much better. That's good to hear. Good to hear. All right. Well, now it's time to attack. Yeah. I'm sorry, John, but I'm one of those that think that this team needs to be blown up in specific ways, not by just destroying everything, but I think you and yourself, and I'm coming after you on this, and I think you're man enough to handle this. You're too much of an apologist for the Seattle Seahawks. You have an excuse. I'm neutral. Everything that goes Bob, wrong. Bob, I'm a reporter. No, I'm neutral. Okay, I, I understand that. But sometimes when your excuses don't sound like reporting, it sounds like you're making an excuse. And the other caller talking about Jody Allen, where is she? Where has she been since the great Paul Allen passed away? She has not made one comment. No. She has not made one appearance. She is not, she is, you know who her advisor is? Pete Carroll is one of her advisors. Yeah, right. Now, one of my, when I said blow up the team, you keep your franchise quarterback. You don't get rid of Russell Wilson. Right. Who you get rid of is Pete Carroll. Oh, Because I believe Bob. it's easier to find a head coach. No, it isn't, Bob. It is. Bob, you're wrong. Look at oh, the failures at head See, coaches. Here you go. Okay, let's hear the apologies. Yeah, no, forth, no. John. Bob, if you were to, if you bring up the word apology, I'm hanging up on you. Okay, simple thing as that. Okay, but uh, you know it's like look at all the failures you have in coaching. I mean, you go back like coaches. There's five, five seven coaches usually fired each year. Okay, by the okay. by year two or three, five of them are already fired again. So tell me where you're going to find the coaches. I mean, name all right, uh, name okay, me. Okay, I'll, I'll name one. I'll go. name one. Eric Biemly. From offense coordinator, Kansas City. Is he a, I mean, is he a current Kansas coach in the league? No. You don't, I mean, you don't know if he's going to be successful or not. I mean, I believe in Eric Bieniemy, but nobody knows. 
And so you take a chance. But why on not? The... Why not? Because you well, know, had... okay, and you have to agree with this, sir, that every time the, the like, look at Pete Carroll's history at USC. Yeah. When that school started to crumble, what did he do? Skadoodled to Seattle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he left USC in a, a pile of mess. Now, everyone's thinking, well, what's going on here with Pete? Because earlier in, the, earlier in your calls, he said, well, the Seahawks played better defense, and they couldn't you know, adjust to a two-deep you know, defense. And I'm thinking to myself, what the heck is John saying? It's just showing you right there that Pete Carroll cannot adjust his offense to beat a two-deep defense. And I'm like, well, then he's too old. Not you, sir. Is Andy Reid too old? Well, Andy Reid. Well, look at Kansas City. Are they gonna? Are they making the playoffs this year? Yeah. Did they? As did, a did they, wild did they, card, right? They, no, they won the division. But it's like Andy Reid. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Okay, what happened in the Super Bowl? In the Super Bowl, Tampa Bay went cover two on him, and Patrick Mahomes had nothing but problems in the cover two. Is that because Andy Reid should get fired? No, Bob, you're clueless. You're absolutely no, clueless. John, John, listen. Since, two, since 2016, when is the last time the Seahawks have played for NFC West Championship? They play every year. I said it, 2016. Did they win? The, they won the NFC Championship, champ- divisional championship. Uh, I'm not talking about our. Co- Bob, oh God, John, see, again, what, what, you like you can hang Bob, up. You that's are it. just Bob, an apologist Bob, bye, bye, Bob. See ya. Let's go to uh, Victor and Auburn. Victor, Bob was just brutal. Later, Bob. Get yeah. out of here, Bob. Oh, my God. It's Another like, great show, John. Thank you. And it's like, I'm, I'm an apologist? Yeah, Give yeah. me a... When have you ever been an Never. apologist? Never. Never. tell it how it is. I mean, hey, I mean, you know, it's like, I, I write for 104.3, and I like Vic Fangio a lot. What I've been saying now for the last couple of weeks, he's fired. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's the way it's going to go. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't like to, I'd like to see him stay maybe one yeah. more year, especially with what the options are going to be once they go looking for a coach. I also yeah. heard that uh, the Eric Bieniemy is is not that well liked in the in the league with some of his interview tact, his interview uh, skills, I guess. Yeah, but you know, you but know who, because and again, and this is because I'm so close to the guy because I covered him when he was an undrafted rookie and known him for years, talked to him when he was, you know, getting up in the coaching ranks and all that stuff. You know who also was a bad interview? Who? Tony Dungy. Oh, oh. And, and, hey, and, and, and the too. reason, the reason is, and I don't know what uh, Eric does in his interviews or anything like that, but Tony was so honest, and he says, well, I think you need to do this, I think you need to do that, I think you need to do that, and they get the ownership gets insulted by what he says because he says, well, you're, you're asking for too much. And so it's like, no, I'm giving you his opinion, and that's the way Tony was. And so Tony was always considered to be a bad interview, but look what a great coach he was. He's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he, was, he definitely was a good coach. Do you think uh, the enemy has more influence over that offense, or is it the head it's coach? Andy uh, it's Andy Reid. It's Andy Reid. Yeah, it's Andy Reid. But the enemy. What do you attribute? What do that? you attribute uh, that uh, the enemy does? What's his special uh, area on that offense? Well, I think he works well with uh, you know Patrick Mahomes. He works well with the offensive players, all those things, and he's a good guy. I mean, again, he could have taken the Colorado job last year as a head coach, but he's waiting for something in the NFL. I just hope he gets it. Yeah, yeah, eventually I assume they would, especially with 
the you know the, the push for diversity, which they, yeah. they definitely need. Uh, but I, I don't want to see Fangio go. He his defense is is good. Yeah, agree. Plus, getting worse. It, it got worse with Bridgewater than it was going. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, if he stays, Pat Shermer is going to be gone. Oh yeah, he has to go, Pat Shermer. Because the offense has been so bad, but it's like, hey, you you go. I mean, look at look at what's going on with your team. I mean, number one, they're going to have ownership change. Number two, probably a coaching change. Number three, a quarterback change. And so you put all that together, and I, I don't know. Uh, I, I was saying this on radio yesterday. You know who one of the names they're talking about for the uh, for the Denver job, and see what your thought is is Dan Quinn. I heard Dan Quinn was a yeah. That's a definitely potential yeah mark they're going for. But uh, that the Fangio fire isn't for sure. No, I mean unless he like gets really embarrassed today. But they're uh, keeping a. Uh, but they also said that they can't have Fangio back and Locke, and most likely they're going to keep Locke because he'd be on his fifth year or his fourth year rookie contract. Yeah, and let alone no one really wants him. But I know Bridgewater's not coming back. Yeah, and, uh, I don't. Th- I don't think Locke will be back either. You, you know, okay, yeah. Because I, well, if Denver strikes out on uh, on Rogers or or I mean, I know they're talking about Wilson in the media. No, yeah, no, I, no, not, no. Yeah, I know that's not going to happen. But that if, if neither one of those happen, uh, I know they're going to try getting into the draft because I don't see anybody really better than what Bridgewater yeah. number wise was capable of doing. And even you, you can't you can't throw. Three-yard passes, you know. No, no, no. Third and seven. Um, Hey, hey, Victor. Thank you for the phone call. All right, take care, John. All right, let's go to Greg Bell coming up next. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. And joining us now is Greg Bell from the News Tribune. And Greg, tomorrow's the wrap-up for the season. Uh, One game against Arizona. I don't know. Are you kind of glad the season's over? <laughs> Hi, John. Yeah, it feels like two seasons. Oh. I've been spoiled. I've, I've only covered a few of these, a couple with the Raiders. And, it, it yeah, it, it gets long, especially a 17-game season and COVID and guys injured and mix and match starting lineups. And then you got Zoom and you really don't get to – talk one-on-one with players like you're used to doing and we haven't been in the locker room in two years <laughs> it's been a little bit of a grind media wise as well as player wise no doubt about it then of course i mean then you got the whole town wanting everybody fired which of course uh, <laughs> i don't know is is there anybody in the seattle media yourself included that's pushing for the firing of pete carroll the trade of russell wilson you know major changes and all that stuff <laughs> No, well, no. If you just report on the facts, we're not yeah. even writing that because that's yes, it's it is all outside the two hundred six for sure. And John, you you probably sense the same I do. I don't sense Jody Allen wants a regime change to start no, with. No, and not the least of which is because she's got a doings on in Portland with the Trailblazers that she didn't want to be involved in either. She had to fire the president and GM Neil Oshie down there for workplace. Uh, misconduct and she is way too into the eaches of that situation than she wanted to be i don't think she wants to turn away yeah. turn over both of her pro sports but pro franchise at the same time but how's i mean and, and that's the thing i mean because people you know bring up paul allen it's like tell me how different that is when 
Paul Allen was alive because I mean he wasn't is he wasn't like he's like Jody when it involved this team. Sure, he may be in the locker room more and all that different stuff, but I mean he let the football people make football decisions. He was very hands off in the day to day. You're right, John, and he. Pete Carroll and John Schneider, especially Carroll, talked about how he appreciated that, that that Allen, Paul Allen trusted the football side to run the football. And then they would go to Paul Allen and, hey, you want to give Russell Wilson $140 million? You want to, that would be the times that he would get involved. In. Mm-hmm. And he was more visible to the players, like you said. He was in the locker room. He was on the road. Jody Allen, for the most part, stays in a suite for home games. He doesn't go to a lot of road games. Bert Cole, the vice chair, who right-hand man for the top of Vulcan is the one who comes to road games. Bobby Allen, Bobby Wagner has talked about how he only met Jody Allen on a field during a mini camp a year or two ago. So she's far less visible in the locker room and around the team than Paul Allen was. But in terms of day-to-day operations, neither one of them got involved. You're right. Yeah, and that's the thing that people, you know, I mean, I know and you know from covering the team and being around them. And obviously, you know, Jody Allen is not going to be in the locker room post-game uh, for whatever reason. I mean, she's certainly allowed to be because she owns the team. But it's like, uh, you know, she's, she's going to go to a different area once the game is over. And also this, most of us around Seattle realize this, but maybe nationally it's not yeah. as thought of, is that Jody Allen is overseeing Paul Allen's trust, which has all kinds of... I mean, space exploration, deep sea exploration, there's music uh, collections and art collections and the billions of dollars of wealth and the philanthropic uh, efforts that Paul Allen started in cancer research. I mean, the Seahawks are one bit piece of that. Yeah. So it's not like Jody Allen wakes up every day and says, how are we going to get better on third down? <laughs> She's got other things to worry about. And the estate, the review of the estate since Paul Allen's death is going to take years. They're not even halfway through that. The the Blazers are part of that. And so it's it's not, while it's priority one to sports talk radio and sports writers and sports fans, it's not priority one to Jody Allen unless someone comes to her saying they need her help and input on something. I know. I, I know I'm probably more sick of it than you are. And I don't know if you're sick of it at all, but I mean, it's but again, it's like, uh, yeah, because, you know, every radio station I do all through the country and different things like that. I mean, every day since February, I keep on hearing about Russell Wilson trade and it's like, will you people just shut up? He's not being traded. I mean, you know, I know, uh, are you as sick of it? Not maybe as much as I am, but are you sick of it? No, I am. Cause it comes up and then, the national media that that put that out, it's usually from Russell Wilson's agent and just trying to keep what I think's going on, John, is that they are trying to Wilson and his agent are trying to leverage the 2023 contract negotiation. Right. And, and he wants to make it so that it's not a fait accompli that Wilson resigns with Seattle, that there'll be a market for him, of course, and that you're going to have to come pony up big bucks up until this point. They have used Aaron Rodgers, of course, as the barometer to how much the Seahawks should pay Russell Wilson. And they would say, well, they have the same number of Super Bowl wins. Uh, they, uh, Wilson is seven, six years old, younger. Well, the, the comparison is not as apt as it was four years ago now. Rodgers is on his way to probably winning a second MVP award. He's got the inside track to another Super Bowl. He has accomplished more since Russell Wilson signed his $140 million deal. 
And so the comp is not as comparable as it was in 2018-19. So now the Seahawks don't necessarily have to listen to Mark Rogers saying this guy is as comparable to Aaron Rodgers getting paid X because Russell Wilson on the field has not been as accomplished since that contract. So what they've done essentially through all of this noise in the soap opera of the last 11 months, they have created a market that did not exist previously. Mm-hmm. Teams weren't calling or even considering thinking Russell Wilson was on a market because he had three more years left on his deal, of course. Now he has two more years left on his deal. So, But the perception is that there is a market for him. So then you get the Chicago Bears offering Wrigley Field and Comiskey Park and the Sears Tower. And then you get the Saints calling and saying, maybe we'll give you the, the French Quarter and the Superdome. I mean, that is what this has become, all because of that perception that there's a market that really hasn't existed because the Seahawks' bottom line don't want to trade him. No doubt, because again, what happens is you trade him, and how many years is it going to take to get back to you know six, seven wins? Right. But Pete Carroll would be eighty-five before. They yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. So what they kind have of the one piece, John? They have the one piece, as you know more than I. They have the one piece that the Jets and all the losing teams wish they had. They have the franchise quarterback. Yes, he had an injury-filled season, and he was subpar when he came back, and he admits he came back too soon. But that is his one bad season out of 10 that included a finger surgery. Mm -hmm. I don't think that means you jettison the best quarterback you ever had, the only one who won a Super Bowl, because of one bad season. They have the piece that all the other losing teams wish they had to get back quickly. Yeah, no doubt about it. So what kind of changes do you see this team having? Because obviously there's going to be a lot of changes. There is. uh, You know, there was a time that I thought if there had to be a fall guy or a change guy at the leadership position, it might be Shane Waldron. I can easily see how Pete Carroll would say, look, I had a first-time play caller lose his quarterback for a month, lose his lead running back just after four games for the rest of the year. He didn't have all the pieces he was designed to have at the start of the season. And now that Rashad Penny has taken over in the last four games as the running back that Walden didn't have consistently the whole season, you see more of the offense, the motion, the play action, the bootlegs, the time of possession, the third down conversions, the thing they were supposed to do, Gerald Everett, much more like that Indianapolis game when they were at full health and strength. So I think Pete Carroll is going to say this wasn't a full evaluation season for how our offense is going to look under Shane Waldron. I asked him that point blank last week, and Carroll said, I love the direction we're in. We're we're more up-tempo. We're more varied. We just didn't get to see it all the time for the reasons I just mentioned. So I I think Waldron's coming back as well. Offensively, their biggest issues are an offensive line, what else is new, and a running back. Mm -hmm. Because Chris Carson is no sure thing to come back, as you know, John. It's a neck surgery, a very tricky injury and rehabilitation. He might be back late in the spring, but he might not. And he, even if he does come back, has never lasted an entire NFL season injury-free. He hasn't been injury-free for an entire season since junior college. So Rashad Penny's emergence the last four games means he is, all of a sudden, a guy they need back. This time last year, he may not even have had a job in the NFL next year. His contract was ending with Sunday's game. But now the Seahawks need him. And because the only two healthy running backs they have under contract next year are Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, neither of whom is going to be the lead back. And then offensive line, what do you do with Dwayne Brown? He's going to be 37 next summer. He wants to play some more. How much would you be willing to pay him to continue at left tackle? Do you really want to give the keys to Stone Forsyth without any experience next year? Right tackle, Brandon Shell, his contract is up. 
Jay Kern has emerged to the undrafted rookie from Cal. He'll make his fifth consecutive start because Brandon Shell has been on COVID and had a shoulder injury. They like Kern a lot, and he could be a cheaper option at right tackle where they could go spend money, perhaps with Dwayne Brown. And I think they need to get a center. Mm-hmm. They tried two centers again this year. Both of them are free agents. Kyle Fuller benched after seven games, and Ethan Posick is also a free agent. If they liked Posick enough, he would have been the starter to start this season because he was the starter last year, and they they chose Kyle Fuller instead and then had to bench him after seven games. They whiffed in free agency. It got too expensive with Alex Mack and Corey Lindsley last offseason. They need to invest at center, whether it's in the draft in the second round or third round or in free agency. They didn't get better. They treaded water, and it didn't help Russell Wilson in the offensive center. What do you think happens to Ken Norton Jr.? I think he comes back because of the defenses. Hmm. They, they inside the, the red zone where the points matter, they, they were good. They gave up too many yards and third-down conversions, and that cost time of possession and swung the field position, and the offense didn't help them by getting off the field so quickly. All of that, yes. But Pete Carroll has been loyal to to Ken Norton. Of course, he was an assistant at USC in the early 2000s. Actually, Ken Norton's first coaching job was at USC for Pete Carroll. And then he brought him back after Norton had left to go to the Raiders to be the defensive coordinator for the first time. I don't think he'll be a fall guy or somebody that they can blame and say, mm-hmm. oh, our troubles in going 6-10 and 10 is because of Ken Norton. Okay, which I'm, I'm hoping because, again, it's like, a, you know, he's so valuable, I think, uh, particularly to a guy like Bobby Wagner right. and guys like that. So what do you think happens to Bobby Wagner? Because it sounds like he's willing to adjust his salary. Uh, <coughs> we can both go over some numbers and see what you think, but do you think Bobby's back? I do, but I do think he's going to have to renegotiate. His cap number is $20.35 yeah. million. And they lately, as you know, John, they've been using the void years yeah, to, add, yeah, yeah. to make the salary cap uh, impact less over a couple of years rather than the last one. They could do that, give Wagner more guaranteed money up front. Mm-hmm. He indicated to us, hey, I'm not talking about wanting to take less money, but he may have to. Yeah, he may realize, especially after this knee injury and not finishing the season on the field, that he's in order to stay, is going to have to take less money. And let's face it, I don't know a team that would pay him sixteen to twenty million dollars no, no. even on a one-year deal. So he probably is going to renegotiate the stay. See, my my here's see if my logic is okay on this because I mean you know how how bad I am in you know database and studying numbers and stuff like that. I'm thinking that uh, you know if he takes if he could take his salary down to 13 million because you're talking about you know a middle linebacker in his mid 30s and you know he can take it down to 13 and then if that's the case you right do the voidable years and then you know save some cap money on that <clears throat> so he can get the cap money down and everything else and he still gets a respectable salary right and if you go from 20.3 million to 7 to 13 million in your scenario that's $7 million in one year of a cap oh, yeah. charge that you could get two offensive linemen for. Yeah, and, and again, I'm, I'm thinking I mean, his salary would be $13 million, Oh but yeah, his, but his cap number his would cap be less. would be even less than that. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Exactly, and and that's probably what he's going to have to do because of the other needs they have. They also have the cornerback issue because yeah. they went through so many this year. None of them they really loved except for D.J. Reed. Um, they need to invest there. 
they need a longer term answer at linebacker. Are they going to, if they have Bobby Wagner back for mm-hmm. one more year, what's the answer after that? Cody Barton just played his first snaps of his NFL career last week at middle linebacker. No doubt about it. Uh, and then what, what about, I'm still surprised they didn't get anything done with uh, Diggs at safety. <laughs> the, the, that is like a taxi meter. Yeah. It just clicks up and up. The price raises every game. He wanted it, of course, last spring. Uh, he held in and tried yeah. to get a new deal in the summer. Yeah, it's costing them more now than it would have been in the summer. Mm-hmm. And some of that, of course, is because of the deal they had just struck with Jamal Adams. But now they're staring at having two safeties at the top of the market because of the performance of Quandre Diggs. Yeah, because I look at like Eddie Jackson and uh, Abuda Baker and guys like that. So I'm thinking now that uh, Diggs will probably have to get over $15 million. He's obviously not going to get to seventeen five, but I think he's probably at $15 million. So now you got two safeties making yeah. over $30 million a year of your cash. Yeah. I know. That, that's what Seattle has boxed itself in with the Jamal Adams contract. You're right. But yeah, but Diggs of course, that, that's, that's the advantage of having $70 million of cap room. Exactly. And, and the cap going up to almost $210 yeah. million next year. This is the most you probably talked about. This is the most cap flexibility in, in space they've had going into an off season and oh, yeah. the entire Snyder Carroll era. Hey, Greg, as always, great stuff. Great job for the News Tribune, uh, and uh, let's get past the last game of the regular season. <laughs> I can't wait to get on that plane and back off it tomorrow I know. night. I can, I, can, I can imagine. Hey, Greg <laughs> Bell, thanks John. for joining us. Happy New Year. Thanks, John. All right, 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Our thanks to Dan Nelson for producing the show and running the show. Uh, we'll get to Commando Dave here in a second, but let's go to Steve in Skyway. Hey, Steve. Hey, good morning, John. Happy good. New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Hey, I just wanted to, uh, a couple things first off. First of all, Mike Tomlin should get a medal for dealing with yeah. Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown Agreed. for the years that he, did, that he dealt with that. Is he getting any heat in Pittsburgh? Yeah, naturally, yeah. I mean, maybe not as much this year because – they're in the last week of the season, and they still have a chance for the playoffs. But had a lot of people back in Pittsburgh that wanted to fire him last year. So, so it's kind of a league-wide thing. Some yeah. people that are the people that have it good don't know what they really have. Right. Exactly. Okay. And then the next thing I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about John Madden for a second. Yeah. The the thing I remember about John Madden, I used to watch football. He was like a big dancing bear on the mm-hmm. sideline. You know. Agreed. And if and if. And I kept thinking in my mind, you remember back to the show The Honeymooners? Yeah, yeah. With Jackie Gleason? Right. Imagine, that's what Jack, Jackie Gleason and John Madden, that's what J- John Madden would have been. I mean, a Jackie Gleason would have been as a coach, too. It would have been the same thing, mm-hmm. the, the enthusiasm and everything else. And then the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was the great loss of Curly Culp. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I used to get back, when I was getting into football, I used to watch the Raiders and the Chiefs all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people don't realize the one of the big things about that merger was the fact that it wasn't just the offenses from the AFL that people were looking at. You had great defense yeah. with the Jets, um, the, the Chiefs, and the Raiders. And they were one of the first defenses that I remember where you had Hall of Famers at every level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a great great defense. When you remember the Buck Buchanan's, oh, no doubt. Willie Lanier's, the yeah. Emmett Thomas, and there was something, when, when a cult passed, there was something they said, 
Curly Culp was the same height as Emmett Thomas. Did you hmm. realize that? I did not realize that, no. And he, he, was, he played at 6'2", 265. Wow. Well, I mean, just great defenses. I think that had a lot, as much to do with the merger happening with the, on the defensive side as it did on the offensive side. Yeah, as side. opposed to matriculate the ball down the field. Hey, there Steve, great, great call. And Let, then I got, um, I got, I got to wrap it up here with Commando Dave. David, how are you? Hey, great! Happy New Year to you and Mrs. Clayton, John Clayton. It was cool to be the last caller of 2021, and it's great to be back on the John Clayton Show for the first time in 2022, heading into Week 18. The artist formerly known as Wild Card Weekend. Yes. Shout out to Matthew MC Nelson for getting me on the airwaves of 17 Cairo, home of the Come On 7 Seattle Seahawks, so I can bring it to the show. And while I'm giving shout out, John Clayton, as sour as last year was for the Huskies, at least this one has started with some sweetener with the recently installed mayor of the Emerald City, hard hitting Husky linebacker Keith Harold. And the guy that I was just going to light up. But as soon as Rick said apologies to Commando, I had to pick up the flag for his call about yeah. the new Heisel Calcutta or whatever it is he's in. And since you brought up the money, John Clayton's favorite charity is the same as mine, Walk MS Seattle 2022. And you're right, John Clayton, today was a great show of callers. When, when you got Jason saying uh, fire the trainer, we're really covering all the – Seahawks basis first week of the year, last week of the season. It's absurd for Bob to call you a Seahawks apologist. Everyone knows you're an impartial Steelers fan. And it was great to hear. I'm, 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 I'm new, uh, by the way, I'm neutral. I'm not a Steelers fan. I'm neutral. I said impartial. Yeah. It's great to hear. <laughs> Come on, John Clayton. Yeah. I'm, I'm pulling you like there, man. Uh, look, uh, great to hear Raider Jim today. I grew up uh, an Oakland Raiders fan and only became uh, a Seahawks fan when Al Davis, Davis took them to L.A. I couldn't ride with him on that. Mm-hmm. Seahawks are right here. But anytime anyone asks me who my favorite football team, without even thinking, I say the Raiders of the 70s, and that's how I know John Madden. And so uh, God rest your soul, Coach Madden. Moving from the Raiders to a guy who never played a down for him. if it looks like the duck, it walks like the duck, and quacks like the duck, it's Antonio Brown. Oh. A.B. needs an A.B. And in the words of the great philosopher Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. But I'll ask you this, John Clayton. I know you're tight on time. Yeah. Does the NFL physical entail mental fitness as well? Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of different uh, you know, places to go if you need it, a lot of people to talk to. No, no, no. Oh. What I'm asking here is when the NFL is giving a physical yeah. to determine if the guy can pass it to play on a team in the National Football League, does that include uh, mental fitness also? Is it a, a two-way street that you have to pass something? I know they, they did away with the Wonderlick test yeah, yeah, yeah. this week. Did that play into it at all? Uh, it's just the tough part is is that you don't get to spend enough time, and particularly you know now that so many of the in the last two years where mostly everything's on Zoom, it's even tougher to be able to get that. But no, I think that uh, you know it's always part of the equation. It's just hard to figure out. Hmm. Hey, Commando, thank you so much. Look, my best and Mrs. Clayton. Go see Hawks. Okay. We'll talk to you, John Clayton. And, of course, we'll be back next Saturday from 8 to 11. John Clayton shows 710 at ESPN Seattle.